But if these three little assholes make me drop my milk as I'm walking down the street, which first of all, why was I carrying a glass of milk? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Alon. And this is David. And today I finally watched The Never Ending Story. This is a childhood story of mine. Um, I, I've watched this one, Never Ending Story 2. I can't remember if I saw three, but I feel like I kind of undercut you, David, because rewatching the first one, I feel it's not really like you don't get the full gist of it until you have at least seen two uh, to kind of like fully round out the storytelling of this um, movie. But for The Never Ending Story 1, what did you think of it? I think this movie is kind of a perfect example of like, when we started talking about what kind of podcasts we want to do mm-hmm. and explaining how like there's certain movies that are going to be so much better when you saw them as a child. This is like a perfect example of that. Right. Where coming into the never ending story, never seeing it and then trying to watch it as a mid 30 year old adult. Yep. That's just, it's not the same. And what's funny too is when you, when you cho- chose this, I was like, I really don't want to watch that. And you're like, no, it's really good. And I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and so the whole time I'm watching it, I was like, well, Alon said it's really good. And I actually think that may have made it like me not hate it as much because you're like, no, it is really good. But there are just like a lot of questions um, right. in the storytelling. It's like a kid's movie, but I think it's funny to like, to like nitpick it to death. Um, but it was, it was, it was fine. It's like, it's a fine kid's movie. Um, I really don't like and i told you this like the jim henson labyrinth type movies with like these weird looking creatures that um you know they're kind of popular around this time uh but overall like it's a fine movie there's like there's some interesting like acting choices by the kids um yeah particularly atreyu he yells a lot yes Um, he just screams his lines and i'm not blaming him I think that's probably like a director's note. Uh, but yeah, overall, it, it's like it, like it's a fine movie. I um I wonder if as a kid, did this did this scare you at all? Oh, it terrified me. It saddened me. It gave me so much anxiety watching this film. Like a lot of the things that like rushed back into my head as a kid, I was like, holy hell! I can't believe. Well, first of all, this was um, this is a German movie. I don't know if you knew that. I did see that, or maybe my wife told me that. I did know that. And knowing that, it's like okay, that makes sense. Like German children, <laughs> this could be could could very well find this like not scary. Um, well, the kid's name is Bastian to start right. off with. Um, and Falcor and like a lot of weird names. But I, I, I guess as a kid, I just gave that up to the, it was a fantasy land. It's just weird names. But um, it was actually, what's so interesting about this is that it was at the time, it was German's most expensive movie, right? And you can like tell, not just like all the extensive like makeup and puppets and animatronics, but those sets, like those sets some of them were shown for like five seconds and I just felt like there, like even now watching them, I was like, yeah, I'm sure like 90% of that is green screen, but some of those props and cliffs and like goo swamp 
stuff like holy crap that took some like effort you know what the um the scenes when uh both the kids are on top of falcor not together but you know different times right i almost it almost reminded me of like soren at disney world or one you know one of those type of rides i was like that's like the inspiration for those um and there were some shots too that i was like that's really cool and i don't even understand how they did it even with this movie being over 30 years old like the shot where atreyu is looking through the mirror and sees bastion right i was like i don't even understand how they did that at first because it looks like he's just sitting on the other side of it and then it slowly kind of fades in i was like that's i guess it had to have been probably like a green screen i would guess well actually what would be cool is if they took like a mirror and like a tinted green mirror and be able to do it that way that would kind of be a the way i would do it and then also, yeah, like the, the set for uh, the Empress, um, I thought was really cool. Like the setup of this, this like big tower. It Ivory also tower, felt yeah. like it felt highly inefficient. <laughs> right. right. Everyone has to come to the top and it looked like that's the only place where people could be. It's outdoors. But then once, <laughs> once everyone's staying there, it doesn't look outdoors anymore. And then like, how did, was there an elevator? Or is this a walk up? Like, how did you get to the top of this? <laughs> uh i mean it's the whole thing is very like non-practical like hey let's just do it because it's really pretty and let's not worry about the ins and outs and practicality of it what's what's interesting to me is how big a movie this is this was in my head thinking back on it and maybe i am melding like one and two together but then re-watching it I was like, this is a really like small movie. And I actually ended up very much hating the ending. (laughs) Well, all right, we can talk about our hatred for the ending. I don't, I didn't necessarily have like a problem with the ending, although it's just like, apparently this whole time he just had to say a word to, uh, to, to solve all the issues for um, what Narnia or whatever this place was called. Oh, Fantasia. Fantasia. Right. Which also I, I meant to look up like, how is there the Disney Fantasia and this? Like, I guess I digress. I really want to start with the archetypal father figure who uh, is actually like a pretty recognizable actor, but is in the movie for like 15 seconds. And right. it's just like not very warm or loving and uh, <laughs> is making some concoction of orange juice and raw eggs, I think. Yeah, it's very odd. And his treatment on, he's like, well, you just just get over your mother's death. Like just cause your mom died. Doesn't mean we can't like not get, you know, take care of business Bastion. <laughs> Which also I had a question of like that dad would not name his son Bastion. Um, right. The, 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 there's some questions towards the end about the mom that I have. Um, but yeah, that, that part was, it was kind of interesting. It's just like, we're just going to go right for it. Uh, explaining like, the struggle of like this kid wanting to draw unicorns in his math book and like his dad, like just wanting him to, I don't know, join the swim team. I thought was pretty funny. Well, let's, let's start breaking down this film, like systematically, chronologically. Right. Because like you mentioned, we have the, the dad who's like, stop daydreaming, get back to work. You know, you got to put your nose in the books and not, you know, uh, basically keep stopping, your feet on the ground. Keep your, feet on the ground stopping a kid and then you have the stereotypical bastion kid 
who not only has like a that type of father, but then, you know, very uh, characteristically gets bullied at school by these three very typical arch- archetype bullies. I just want to know, as these three kids are robbing another kid in broad daylight, why none of these adults that are surrounding, as they're screaming, I'm going to kill you, like just nobody does anything. I was wondering that too. It just seems like you could have stepped in just a little bit to help this kid out. Um, but the bookstore owner, I feel like, is the worst kind of person. <laughs> he, um, he is very creepy to me. Um, and I don't really get his whole deal. Right. On IMDb, his name is Carl Conrad Coriander, which you never hear what his, his name is when you're watching this. Okay. Um, but I just thought that was funny. Also, <laughs> I was looking this up. There's like 23 people who are credited and uncredited in this movie. And one of them is man next to man who drops milk and then man who drops milk, which was the director <laughs> is the one that drops the milk. But if these three little assholes make me drop my milk as I'm walking down the street, which first of all, why was I carrying a glass of milk? Like I'm going to probably chase after them. I thought that was a little unrealistic. Uh-huh. But then, yeah, you get into this bookstore and the guy's just like, I don't like kids with your video games and your doodads and your whatnot. Get out of here. And then for some reason, Bastion's like, I know books. I have 186 of them at home. Like who counts their books. Bastion does. Like, Bastion does. And then he yeah. has to like prove himself. He's like, I've read Tarzan and War and Peace. And he does not say War and Peace. Like <laughs> Treasure Island. And, and then the guy's just like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> we have, well, we fuck. A, we have an English lit major over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he, he automatically stops being rude to him. And he's like, well, come here. You know, and then uh, and then he, he tells them he's like, "Oh, you're running from bullies. Why don't you punch them?" Which is like, if you're looking at Bastion, I mean, come on. There's three of him, three of them, and one of him. Like, that's not ending well. Uh, it's never ending well. Boo. Um, <laughs> just give me that one. Um, so I like the reverse. I like the reverse psychology of. Uh, what's his name? Cornelius Cornwall, the third, um, the bookstore owner. Uh, he, he's like, so this book is really like dangerous and it's not for you. And then obviously he leaves it and says all this because he knows that if he does, Bastion is going to take the book and, and run. Right. But I still don't get like, Again, maybe this is explained in, in Never Ending Story 2 or 3, but why? Why is he setting up this kid to be, like, taken away by this story? Um, I think the explanation for that would be that because this kid has read all these amazing books and is, like, a lover of books, that the store owner wants him to experience what is supposed to be the most amazing story, the Never Ending Story um is my takeaway from that and also and i don't you know this is a little out of order but fine i just want to say this right now because i don't want to forget it but 
the bookstore owner says, all the books you read are safe. You're never going to get stabbed as a pirate on a ship. Uh, you're never going to get stuck 20,000 leagues under the sea. But in this book, you could be in real danger. And then all of Fantasia, spoiler alert, all of Fantasia is destroyed. And all Bastion has to do to fix it is just wish it back. Yeah. Well, see, that's where I really like, I really don't like the ending now that I, you know, watching it again. And as a kid, you know, I guess as a kid, you want a happy ending. And, and damn, do they give you one freaking happy ending but uh it's like okay i'm 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 gonna jump back into chronological order a little bit here because uh, and i don't think we need to do this through the whole uh recording but when treyu loses his horse that is the saddest thing i remember like ever experiencing as a child at that point like I remember as a kid watching that horse slowly drown and I'm thinking to myself, like I would drown. Like if that whole, I didn't, I didn't, I never understood why he didn't die immediately because if that whole like swamp thing was like the sadness swamp. And if you were sad and if you let the emotion of sadness overtake you, you drown too. And this kid, Atreyu just saw his like best friend horse die. Like, he didn't feel sad about it. Um, I also just wonder, like, there seems like there were safer spots to walk than like right in the middle of. No, right the in the middle. Mud. Of, right yeah, in the middle. Of that's the where mud. you need to do it. Yeah. Also, um, Atreyu seemed to be exhibiting some like signs of like not bipolar, but just at one second he's like laughing at the horse. He's like, "Oh, you you can't do it," and then the horse sinks like half an inch. He's like. Oh shit, you're sad. No, don't be sad. And then starts yelling at the horse like you stupid idiot. You're going to you're going to die. Why are you so dumb? And then starts crying again. <laughs> I actually liked that part. I actually really thought the acting choices on that like part was really smart because I I agree. The laughing part is a little awkward cuz he's like trying to so I took the laughing part like, hey, don't be glum, like be happy, haha, like me, right? And then that didn't work. And then he knew he was going to die. And then I thought he was just kind of not mean to it for the sake of being mean, but like angry that his friend is going to leave him and like angry at the world. And then he was he, sad. He was, he was just going through like the five stages. Just boom, boom, boom. Um, yeah, and then he must have not felt sad about his best friend horse dying because he survived the, the swamp the rest of the way. Um, but it brings me back to like that mountain where he, he climbs on top of being like a giant turtle. That's production value. Like if anything, this movie has is these giant puppets and these giant animatronics or the way they shoot them to make them look huge is like absolutely amazing to me. Uh, yeah, I think, I think some of the some of that stuff is really cool, um, especially just you know grading it on the scale of like when this was was made. Um, but then it's like what you do with that. Um, like you have the turtle who's just kind of an asshole. Like not that it matters before right. he answers every question and just like I'm not gonna help you at all. 
the, the biggest thing about it, and it's like, yeah, the story angles of this movie that just like, all right, it's for kids. Um, but how many deus ex machinas is in this movie is unbelievable to me. I agree, but it, it also, so it starts off with, you know, the empress at, at her palace and like everyone coming and they're like, we need the great warrior Atreyu. And this little kid walks up and he's like, you're not the great warrior. And he's like, well, fine, that's fine. I am, but I'll, I'll leave. But then he, he, he tells him like, listen, no one can give you any advice. You can't take your weapons and you just have to go. And it's like, why does it have to be this hard? Like there was no logical explanation for any of that. That's the way they got the story to move forward. I guess. And, and then the next scene is they, they wandered aimlessly for a week. So he, he leaves the palace, he wanders aimlessly for a week, then gets his horse killed in the swamp. Like, it starts off rough for Atreyu. Well, see, that's the thing I really liked about it, even watching it now. And uh, you're right, they could have totally had his, like, he could have totally come with his bow and arrow and a sword and whatever, and he could have lost all of it in the swamp. You know what I mean? Like, they could have made it like, oh, we're going to prep you, but then things go, like, awry during the trip. Um, the thing I really liked about it is that he did lose his horse and like, you know, the swamp was going to eat him. The turtle didn't give a shit and the wolf was like going to like chomp on him. But then Falcor comes in and like, basically he's like, wow, you took me the whole 10,000 miles. He's like, well, I actually uh, took you 9,809. So it's like, oh, the kid's got like, 101 miles to go like what the <laughs> what's the Basically, point it reminded me of the of the hobbit movies when they have just those eagles that could come in at any moment to like to save them and just take them yeah and i thought one of the most interesting points of the film was when uh falcor takes him to that i i don't know it looks like a freaking planet but it's where he sleeps i guess and there was like these husband and wife trolls and one is like a scientist oh yeah you know one is a scientist because he will not let you forget that he is a scientist and um are you part of the scientific community because i'm over here doing science yeah i like his line though he's like have you ever heard of my name and atreyu is like no and he's like well, I guess you don't run in scientific uh, circles. Circles, yeah. Yeah. Now, my favorite part is the, to the winch, wench. <laughs> to the witch, wench. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that character is funny, um, but it is like he's also just yelling at a little boy like, that's my telescope. Get, your, get out of there. I want to look. Um, what do you think of, like, the, the southern gates? Like, that's weird. Like, that's some, like, Egyptian artifact crap like i didn't understand that and i especially I we'll talk about how he enters it but i really want to talk about how he starts exiting it but go, we'll, we'll talk entrance well first um the the sphinxes had gotten some work done um like a boob job clearly mm. oh they yeah, were, yeah yeah because they were stacked for some reason <laughs> it's i didn't notice that but good on you it, it was pretty in your face for okay. a children's movie, especially. Okay. Um, and then they show a warrior entering and the, 
the scientist guy says that someone, so, the only person that can pass is someone who um, does not feel his own worth. Or yeah, you have to you have to know your own worth basically. Which I was like, I don't, I don't know exactly what that means because like if I'm a piece of shit, but I know I'm a piece of shit, do I get to go through the gate? Uh, and then he kind of made it seem like it was you have to just be confident. Mm-hmm. And so you have this guy in armor who gets blasted by these rays, right? And apparently the rays just go through the armor and don't hurt that, but then just fry him on the inside. Yeah. Um. And then Atreyu's like, you know what? I got it. I'm going to do it. And then immediately gets scared, obviously, because he's a child. Uh, but apparently you're, you can just run for it. <laughs> yeah. If you yeah. just make a dash and jump, like, once you get through, they're just done. They'll let you go. I, yeah, and I think that's a, good, um, that's a good place where the problems really start to occur in this movie, like plot-wise and story-wise. Because he makes it through the stacked Sphinx and he goes through like a winter tundra sort of deal. He makes it out to the other side and there's two other Sphinx. Now, maybe I wasn't paying as close to attention as I should, but what the hell do they say to him? Um, Something yeah. about an earth child? Oh, basically, yeah. Basically, he needs to find Bastion, and Bastion needs to give, um, needs to give the Empress a new name. And I love that Bastion is reading this and just like, "Damn, I have the perfect name if they'd ask me, but they're not asking me." <laughs> what I think is even funnier than that is after he makes it through the first Sphinx, uh, the science troll is like you know, he's not done. He's got another one to go through. He's got to go through this mirror where he'll see his inner soul. And then he just looks at Bastion and is like, all right, cool. And then makes it to the Southern Oracle. I was like, that was supposed to be the harder one. Yeah, I didn't get that either. And I didn't get how, like, so is Atreyu and Bastion, like, are they just one character? Because if Bastion is reading the story as the main character in Atreyu, is he just that character especially at the end where he was like meeting with the princess and then atreyu just freaking disappears i was like maybe it's just like a replacement character and then bastion yeah bastion shows up i will say when atreyu first walked on the screen with the long hair i was like oh is that just bastion with long hair i i think i thought that as a kid but now it's obviously not yeah my wife told me i'm an idiot but that's fine (laughs) it would have been cooler that way um yeah, and yeah, I mean that that whole that whole sequence just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And then the nothing shows up, and so like, no, no, no. So what? Falcor takes him on another journey where they're just aimlessly looking for the edge of Fantasia. Um, no, no, no. So no, that but that's where my question is because <clears throat> not even after they're like, oh, you got to find an Earth child, but he has to run back. He has to run all the way back to Falcor, and it doesn't show that. But so that means he goes through, back through the Winter Tundra, he goes back through the first Sphinx Gate, he has to climb all the way back up to the Falcor place where Falcor was, and, I'm, and they don't show any of that. They're just the next scene, it cuts to him riding on the back. And I was like, okay, 
I don't get what this between what the Sphinx says and to him being like, oh, better go get a lucky dragon. I think lucky dragon. That's what Falcor is. That's his species, lucky dragon. Well, I think what he t- he said, they said you need to find an earth child to get a new name. And they said, you know, you have to find someone who's not in Fantasia. So he takes that as I have to find the edge of Fantasia. So he gets back on Falcor. Because Fa- and Falcor tells him we can find the edge of Fantasia, which apparently is not true, and Falcor just doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Also, Falcor is like maybe the second creepiest character in this movie, especially when he like tells the little child to like scratch his ears, and he's just like, "Oh, that feels good. Oh, that's oh, that's great. Thank thank you so much, little child." Well, little uh, do you know, but that species of lucky dragon, their genitalia is behind their left ear. <laughs> okay. Um, that's that's good stuff. Uh, so yeah, so he's trying to find the edge of Fantasia of this world, and then the nothing catches up. Which like the speed at which the nothing is taking over Fantasia, which is also apparently limitless. So now that I'm thinking about it, how can the nothing ever take all of Fantasia over? Right, because it's never ending. But whatever. Um, so then Atreyu falls, and you get the big. The big, uh, you know, tete-a-tete between him and Gamork, who's been chasing him this whole time. Yeah. And I love that Gamork didn't even know who he was chasing. Yeah. And then gives Atreyu, like, the best advice slash information of the entire movie. Just yep. explaining, like, Fantasia is never-ending. You can't get out of it. There are no ends. Um, and also, I've been hired by the backer of The Nothing, so apparently there's some financial like like big wigs who are in control of the nothing um okay. and gamork's like their muscle in case the nothing can't handle it uh and i just love that like he's like yeah i was trying to kill atreyu but i lost him in the in the swamp of sadness and then atreyu's like oh well what up motherfucker i'm atreyu come at me yeah he's like if we're gonna die we're gonna die but let's do it <laughs> I'll kill a wolf before the nothing takes me. Like probably the most gangster part of the movie is just him pulling like a, a rock that falls next to him in the shape of a knife. Um, funny. Okay, so I have some actually interesting facts about the actor who plays Atreyu. Um, tell. So first of all, Atreyu originally was supposed to be green, but the fact that the makeup artist didn't want to paint a little boy green every time they wanted to start the movie. And then they did it once and it looked ridiculous on camera. So they were like, no, he's just going to be his own skin color. Right. That's a smart decision. And then the actor's name is Noah Hathaway. And what's so interesting about Noah Hathaway is that he was actually thrown from that horse and he like broke his leg um, because it stepped on him. So he was thrown off the horse and then the horse stepped on him. And then when they were filming that scene, when the horse drowns, this is, this is beautiful. When they were filming the horse scene when it drowns, they put the horse on an elevator in the swamp. And then the elevator was supposed to just go down, making the horse look like he's drowning. Right. But then Noah Hathaway gets his leg stuck in the elevator and it pulls it under with him and he actually drowns. And when the crew was able to get him up, 
he was already unconscious. Um, so he almost died. And um, then there was one other incident when the when they threw the wolf puppet at him, you know, that the stabbing scene you were just talking about. Right. One of the claws of the wolf puppet like punctured his face. And if it got his eye, he would have been blinded forever. Um, but the cruel irony is because most of his injuries happened because of the horse or something to do with the horse. The production actually gifted Noah Hathaway the horse after filming. What did he do with it? I guess he took care of it. Uh, that seems like kind of a, like an FU gift, basically. <laughs> That's what I thought, too. Um, <laughs> so him and that horse did not get along, apparently. <laughs> oh, here you go, forever. Uh, what's, what's another interesting fact is that, you know, this was a book. Like, this was an actual book before. Right. Yeah, no. And I think the book probably does a lot better job of explaining the things that don't make sense. Well, it does such a much better job that the author of the book try to get this, the release of this movie canceled. And he couldn't do that. So he just got his name off of it. Um, Cause he basically hated it so much. Um, I don't know, like, like I said, as a chil- this is a children's movie, so if you're judging a children's movie compared to like movies that are for adults and like... I am, yes. Well, then, yeah, it doesn't hold up. <laughs> but if you just judge it as a children's movie, I think it's fine. And if you judge it as a children's movie from the 80s, then, yeah, it's like, I, I can understand why you like this as a kid. Um, I did also like when he meets Gamork. Yeah. The, the wall paintings of like the things that have happened in the movie. It was almost like a space ball scene of just like, he sees the painting of like when the horse drowns and then he sees the painting of him meeting the turtle. And then he sees Gamork and he's like, what the hell? And then looks over and Gamork's staring at him. So the whole point of the ending is that we need this earth child bastion to give the Empress a name. And bastion earlier in the movie says, I have the perfect name, my mother's. And then the version I was watching, I was watching of this, the, the subtitles cut out when he screams out the name at the end to save Fantasia. And I was like, did he say Moonchild? And then I looked it up and he in fact, in fact screams out Moonchild. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, is the father in the beginning of this movie, did he marry a woman named Moonchild? <laughs> Or another thing could have been is like Moonchild in German is a much like more respectable name. Maybe. Yeah. But um, yeah, but- I always knew I always knew that the, the princess's name was Moonchild. I just never knew that it was also his mother's name. Um yeah, I mean it's it was like I just thought it was like kind of a funny a funny like they don't really ex- they earlier he says like this is my mom's name and then he that's the name he screams out but there's never any like confirmation of that but I'm, I mean I'm sure maybe the book does a better job or maybe he just decided you know what like I I thought it would have been funny if he's just like Rebecca <laughs> <laughs> yeah what's more hilarious Rebecca or Moonchild right um, another interesting fact about the the princess would you call her Empress sorry Empress. Yeah, don't um, get it straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that 
that actress is so young. She actually lost her two front teeth right before filming this. Oh God. And they like had to like put in prosthetics for her to like have a full set of teeth. Yeah. I mean, she's, she does a pretty good job given that, you know, her, her only scene is uh, having a tray. You yell at her with yeah. questions. Yep. And then Bastion, who's kind of an idiot, like <laughs> the same thing. I, my favorite part is, uh, is when she gives him this like little speck of light and is like, you can make wishes. And she's like, what do you wish for? Like hint, hint. He's like, I have no idea. And she's like, well, great. Great. Fantasia will now die because you don't know what to wish for. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I like how she was like, you, you really need to, you know, make a wish. He's like, how many can I make? And he, she's like, any amount. But like, my whole world is dead. So I hope you'll do the right thing. Cut to him riding on the back of Falcor. Like, like, I, I guess I'll save Fantasia so I have something to look at as I ride this luck dragon. And then even to bring, like, to use another wish to, like, bring the luck dragon into the real world and, like, terrorize his bullies, I thought was, like, as a kid, it's, like, your ultimate fantasy, you know? It's, like, oh, revenge from another world to, like, take upon your, your bullies. The only thing I didn't quite like, and, and maybe they kind of did this in a different way, was there was no resolution between him and his father. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was part of the thing that made me laugh is this guy is somewhat of a known actor. He's like, obviously not like huge. And he came in for what, like a 15 second cameo, basically. Yeah, probably like, took him like a just, day to film. Yeah. Right. Well, I also had the same thought about Bastion's, like most of his scenes had to be real quick. Because like, he's just in the house. And then he's getting chased around outside. And then he's just in that attic. Like how... The react it was just like b-roll reaction shots mostly for the attic stuff like how long would that have taken well i mean you have to look at it that they probably had him in for like a week and just shot all of his scenes just all together back to back and then just cut it in the cutting room later you know well they probably didn't even pay for that school they probably just snuck in which is why like that attic box was broken you know what i mean yeah that's why there was like a perfect creepy attic in a school yeah. It was basically, it reminded me of like the room of requirement from Harry Potter. <laughs> it was just like all the junk that you would possibly need. I couldn't tell because, you know, there was like that wolf head that fell uh, during like the thunderstorm. And then that triggers like a, a cut of, um, what's the wolf name in the story? Gamork. Gamork. It cuts to Gamork like running through the woods. And I was like, is the story in his head and he's making it up or is the story coming to life in the real world? And I'm trying to remember how it actually happened, you know, cause I haven't seen this in like 18 years, but to the point where it was like, none of that. And it didn't really incorporate Bastion into the story at all until like the last five minutes. I thought it was like, wow, I feel like they could have done a lot, a lot more with that what what uh was an interesting thing about falcor though is that he was actually the biggest prop in the entire story like bigger than that big stone guy in the beginning or bigger than any other um 
you know, like the turtle, like Falcor was 43 feet long and made up of like 6,000 like feathers and scales to like make that thing. But I'm like 43 feet long. I don't think there was a single shot where I could see 43 feet of Falcor. No, yeah, because it seemed like the far away shots of him, it was just been like a small little doll almost. And then the shots up close were just like the first 10 feet of him as, you know, the kids riding him or whatever. They never showed the back of it. Yeah, but then they went to the extensive length of making 43 feet of him is like kind of impressive, but also, I mean, they must have done it to be like, well, no matter what angle we show of this guy, it's going to be like legit, you know, so. Yeah. I think the la- the last thing that I really want to say about this movie is my least favorite part is the dude with the bat hang glider. Wow, that's your least favorite part. That guy specifically. It's just it's like that guy. Th- and that's what I like that's what I dislike about these movies like not that I like dislike them or like hate them but just like that why they're not really like something I could try and watch. It's just like yeah, he was just kind of creepy and annoying <laughs> to me the whole time. What's so interesting to me is like he's probably one of the scariest uh, guys in this film, but he's a good guy. And like you take even the wolf, like you you think they could do so much cooler stuff with a wolf, but it's just a wolf. Yeah, right. And it's not even, they can't even really show you anything with the wolf just because of the limitations. So it's like they just show you <laughs> them throwing the puppet. Yeah. And I do, I do like the the scarring on Atreyu's chest from where apparently he got hit by yeah. the by the wolf. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, overall, this this is like a fine like kids movie, and like you know, I would show it if it if it was something I had seen earlier in my life, and it was something that like meant something to me, I would show it to you like my kids um but you know it's it's just not something you can come into like at a late stage in life and like really appreciate i i understand that and as a kid's movie i see what you're saying but the fact that everything was retcon at the end by just moon child and even the horse survived which that kind of pisses me off because just such a sad scene to take away a character and then just be like Oh yeah, everything's fine. Everything is okay and nothing has ever happened bad ever in this whole life. Right, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, everything's everything's back to normal. I mean, I, I think the one good aspect of this movie that kind of comes through a little bit is just the fact that you know, this whole thing is like symbolism for, you know, fantasy in general and how like it dies if you don't have readers for it. And so no, the fact th- that you're absolutely right. I thought a really cool part was when the princess was explaining to Atreyu, like Bastion had people reading his story, or in this case, watching him as a film, just like he was reading Atreyu as a book. And I was like, all right, that's really meta, and I kind of dig it. Right. And so, you know, overall, like it's 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 a pretty decently well done movie. It's just, you know it's for kids for most for the most part but there's things that if you appreciate it as a kid once you then watch it as an adult 
you know, that you can still appreciate and you have that nostalgia for when you saw it. And, you know, cause I know we're getting to there personally, I probably won't watch this again, you know, as a, maybe if I show my kids, but I, I'm not going to sit down and watch this again. But what I, I might do is try to watch two and three to try to see if there was some symbol, something making sense of something in this film, just for my personal like benefit. I mean, that's all on you. I will say though, the music is pretty awesome in the movie, especially like the ending music. And uh, uh, my wife was telling me that this was in Stranger Things at one point. I don't really remember it, but like- It was, said, yeah. Yeah, when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's why I like this. Cause I've heard this before. Turn around. So. Look at what you see in her face. Uh, thank you for listening to another Reach episode the of, stars. of I Finally Watched. The mirror of your dreams. Um, this is David, and I finally watched. Make believe I'm everywhere. The never-ending story.